Thank you guys for tuning in to the Dove Vision Experience Podcast. It's your boy, Frank Nitty. I'm back for another episode. I appreciate you guys clicking that button and giving me the opportunity to share with you my thoughts and my opinions. This week, I know it's been a while, but I got the virtual tool back up and going. I got a special guest that I, I want you guys to meet. He's one of the dopest videographers that I've met here in the Bay Area. We've worked together on several different projects. He has a great vision, a great mind. He's all about positive energy and good vibe. I really wanted to bring him on so you can hear his story and see his thought process and see some of the tips and tricks that he's been doing to become one of the dopest videographers here in the Bay Area. So I'm really excited for you guys to hear this podcast. So I'm going to go ahead and get it kicked off. Like I say always, grab your lighters, pull up. If you're in the gym, you're in the car, turn me up. Let's get it. Thank you guys for tuning into the Dove Vision Experience Podcast. It's your boy Frank Nitty. I'm back with another episode. I'm back for my virtual tour. This week I got my guy Meshi. You know, he's been rocking with me for a few years here in the Bay Area, but he's no longer here in the Bay Area. He's moved down to SoCal, soaking up that, soaking up some of that sun. Uh, even though he's doing the pandemic, I'm pretty sure he's kind of getting out there and kind of enjoying the vibes of the city. You know, I really love LA when I go down there. So I now I got somebody to link up when I get down there. Meshi, tell us how it is down there right now. Man, hey, first off, man, just appreciate you having me on, man. Um, you know, we all dealing with this, uh, you know, pandemic um, at different levels. And honestly, like for somebody like me, I've been pretty tucked, like pretty much just like working from home, kind of working on a lot, planning, doing like a lot of just like in the cave grinding. And like, it's been good to, you know, slowly but surely start to, you know, just connect with people more, you know, it's hard for, people to connect these days and like even just having me on your podcast man like on some like just one-on-one -on -one stuff i haven't really tapped in with you you know what i'm saying in a minute so it's been it's been i'm just blessed to be on here man i'm thankful for the opportunity and uh yeah man i'm in la man i'm, I'm down south man on the other side man so this is a it's a change for me but like i was saying before we uh got on i mean i've been at the house you know so it's basically the same as if i was in the bay area you know like working from home like I'm at the house really for the most part of the time so like every now and then i'll go out to like you know a grocery store or you know just somewhere out in la and i like i'll see like the lakers jerseys and the dodgers hats and i'll be like oh snap like i'm really out here you know what i'm saying but other than that like you know it's i can't even tell <laughs> You know, I know it's, it's kind of weird, you know, going from you've been born a part of pretty much here in Bay Area all your life. Then all of a sudden you go down to SoCal and, you know, all you see is up here, you see Warriors and you see, you know, yeah. you see Raiders. And then, you know, saying you see the San Francisco Giants and now all of a sudden you're down there with all the Lakers and Dodgers and all that, all that Rams and all that good stuff. Yeah, we still got my Niners out here, though. We out here. We still out here, too. <laughs> <laughs> man, I, I really, I really enjoy LA. Anytime I come down there, man, it's always a good vibe down there. I like going to the city. Uh, of course, I, I dislike the traffic when I'm down there because everything's just so spread out. But yeah. you know, as far as like just enjoying the vibe and the beach, you know, it's just a different vibe down there than compared to here in the North Bay. You know, so I really enjoy it whenever I come down there. Now I got somebody to come link up with when we get down. Absolutely, there. somewhere to stay, all that, man. Come through, definitely. So. Yep. So during that, during the pandemic, man, how have you been able to stay like mentally healthy and you know physically healthy down there? What have you been doing to kind of keep keep up, keep everything up? Man, that's a good question. That's a great question. I feel like I look at success um, through health. That's like how I look at everything through health. Like, what is your physical health? Your financial health? Your mental health? Your like internal health? Your health with your relationships with other people? I always like health is a big word for me, and I feel like during you know the pandemic which is really like during let's just say 2020 it's been like a whole year you know um 
during this year, like, you know, it's been difficult because like you have your routine with going to the gym and stuff like that. And you can't go to the gym. And it's like, you know, I'm in a new area. So like literally like the past few weeks, I've just been like jogging to um, different areas, like seeing like trying to get a new routine and like seeing like where I can, you know, get some some work in at. So like I've been going to like, you know, some random schools and like they had the um, what's it called? A cemetery not too far away from here. And like it sounds kind of morbid or, or weird, but like I, lo- I love like jogging by a cemetery because like it just kind of motivates me. You know what I'm saying? It makes you like feel like. You know we only have one life to live like what do you want your legacy to be you kind of like look over all the graves and it's like man like these are all people that had their time and like what how much money they made how much whatever like it doesn't go down with them so it's just kind of like a good reminder um but yeah i've been like searching for like different areas to like get jogs in and stuff and i'm still figuring that out like figuring out how to how to best like stay in shape like working out from home but i do i have tapped in with like um a few calisthenics buddies of mine who have put me on like a few exercises to do the one i've been like most recently going through is like do um one push-up then hold it for a second then do two push-ups hold it for two seconds all the way to 10 basically and so i've been doing like that like one time a day and like you know just different exercises in the house that i could do um and then like mental health wise man i have the calm app um that's what i use to like meditate and I've been doing my best to um, meditate twice a day, just like in the morning when I wake up and, you know, before I go to sleep. So um, I haven't been doing it every single day, but, you know, I'm making the goal to do it twice a day. So, yeah, man, that really helps me just, I don't know, just gives you like another, it gives you like a, it's like a cheat code. You know, I feel like when you, when you solid in the head and like get that like clarity and can just like let things go, especially for me, I'm always thinking about a thousand things. If I could just like relax, man, it's like I'm on a different level. Everything's on 10. So, so yeah, man. Most definitely, man. You have to keep that mental state. I know for me personally, I'm, I'm not, no, I'm more of a gym person. I can't really do the home workout. I try, but I don't, I can't keep it up. It's like I do it for a day and I skip a couple of days. Then I'm, I'm a week now. I'm two weeks and then. But what I've been really kind of been up on lately is just riding my bike, man. I, I bought me a bike at kind of like in the middle of the pandemic. And man, I just been riding it. That's my, my, my main exercise now. I really enjoy it. Kind of brought the love back when I was a kid. And I get out, man, I do five, 10, 12, 15 miles, you know, and I kind of like, really like and enjoy, you just throw your, throw your AirPods on and just kind of just ride, man, and, and, and really get some exercise in. That's been good for me. Um, anytime I want to release some stress, because me personally, I just been at home, like you said, working, you know, with the kids and with the family. I know you, you know, you just recently got engaged. So this is a whole different lifestyle for you from now, from, you know, you guys being in a relationship, you know, living separately, you know, then all of a sudden now you're in the, in the house with each other every single day. So how's that, you know, that change has worked out for you now during the pandemic yeah i mean honestly it's been you know it's been beautiful it's been great to you know connect on this like higher level and and just um you know be able to you know just have more time with each other i mean so much of a relationship is time you know like that's the most valuable thing with any type of relationship and uh you know just being here like together has been able to you know just get more time with each other which is great but it has also been a challenge because you know my fiance like i was mentioning before we got on she's an essential worker um she's uh you know a civil engineer she's basically a project manager where she works at and she's still you know coming in um to her sites and um you know she's 
on a very intense project right now. So she's been working kind of crazy hours. And, you know, I've just been trying to like, you know, because I am working from home uh, at, the, at the moment. So, you know, I've just been trying to like really uh, hold it down for her, like be, be able to have this be a space where she doesn't have to worry about, you know, any type of stress and stuff. Like during the week, I try to like make sure you know, I, I cook food, you know, cook dinner when she comes in. We could, she could just, you know, change, get in something nice and just relax and sit back and stuff like that, you know? So I feel like that's been good. Just trying to like, you know, um, you know, just be there for each other. Like, obviously if I was going through a tough time of work, I would, you know, I would appreciate those sort of things. So, you know, just kind of like being cognizant of that and having that mindset. But then it's also challenging because you don't want to get too comfortable, you know, at the house. Like it's tough because like we can't, you gotta really plan and figure out like what you can do, you know, in terms of like activities or going out to dinner and like, or going out to, you know, you, you wanna keep, you gotta still go out, you know, but it's like, there's all these restrictions now. So like, that's the challenge is like figuring out like, like, what can we do? We've gone to the beach a few times with, um, you know, our family and, you know, we've gone out to eat like a few times, but it's usually picking something up and bringing it back. Cause like, you know, all the restrictions in terms of like, you can't really eat in, in too many places. So like, that's been a challenge, like figuring out like, date things to do you know but uh other than that everything's been smooth yeah it's it's new you know what I'm saying this is this could really test your relationship you know especially for you know people like yourselves who just basically go from you know separated living to all of a sudden you're living together and then you're engaged and you kind of like get a little taste of that marriage life before you actually get married yeah and on top of that you're with the pandemic so you're in the house every single day with each other so you have to learn to communicate in a different way you know usually when you're separated you can kind of if you get upset you can kind of go to your own space and you kind of be there for a day or so to cool off but now when you live with each other you have to figure out how to make up with each other before you go to bed and those type of situations, especially like when we're like you're talking about circle back to when you're saying about um restaurants because they're just announced that they're going to basically be kind of you know shutting down i saw that you know here in the bay area well here in california because the numbers are starting to go back up and of course you know i've i've, I've talked about this in the past that you know we were going to possibly see another wave you know especially with flu season was around the corner now we kind of hit about to hit flu season and the numbers are going back up and we've you know just seeing these these cases start to spike but you know on some Good news, positive news. We don't know how far this is going to go. They have announced that there's a possible possible vaccine, but you know they haven't really said, okay, we're ready to go to administer because it's still going to take you know four to six months before you can actually do all the trials and actually get out to the people and you, you know disperse it to the world. So you know when that situation happens, we'll probably be in a, a better place where people probably feel a bit more comfortable with going out. And, and Bay Area is just different. You know, I've been looking, I've been looking online, looking at Atlanta and Texas and. You know, <laughs> They're, they're like it's open like they're they're partying they out in the streets they're doing what they want to do and we in california just looking through the blinds like man we want to get out and have some fun too i wonder like what do they do they have i wonder like do they have the, the cure down there because they are partying and i don't <laughs> numbers going crazy you i know? mean it's a different mindset I mean, you know because you've been in you you know lived in the south and stuff like it's a different uh mindset out there you know i already knew coming into the situation that we were going to be the most strict um whether it's you know the bay area or um la but really honestly more so the bay area honestly um but yeah i already knew we was going to be the most strict and you know it was going to take a while for businesses to open and stuff um you know i'm sure you talked to jesse about like trap art in the areas that you know the restrict you know the restrictions and how much like you know doing a business where you're primarily working with like live events like how that could adversely affect somebody so you know i definitely see firsthand like all sides of it. I also understand like how serious it is and you know, all of that. But you know, I, 
yeah, the COVID situation is tough. Like there's no winners. Uh, it's just always, it's, I mean, I'm not gonna say there's no winners. People are always gonna take opportunities out of any challenges. So there's always gonna be people who are benefiting from it some way, somehow. And that's like, to me, like my whole thing with like 2020, people always like, oh man, like I can't wait for this year to be over. And all. to me, like, you know, I, I just feel like I got a house this year. Uh, and that's just me. I'm not I'm not trying to be on some selfish tip because I know a lot of people are challenging, people are struggling, people are, you know, all that. But I guess like what I there's always opportunity for every challenge. And like at the end of the day, like we got to get through the year. Like and it's like just find a way find something positive. Like if you're in like the house so much and you can't really do things outside of it. Well, then, you know, maybe there's something you need to plan about, like maybe making your own business or finding a way to work from home or like maybe you get to write on the book that you've been thinking about for a long time. Or maybe you get, you know, just trying to take the negative energy and the challenge and like flip it to a positive. That's just my whole thing, like because everybody can do that, you know, most definitely because people really think, you know, the magic there's going to be a magic time when, you know, 2021 hit January 1, 2021. They think yeah. things just going to automatically change. It's going to it's no, it's still going to we're still going to be in the same kind of same situation. Yes, it's going to be a new year. You know, people are going to feel good about the year and things, you know, everybody because at the beginning of the year, everybody thinks it's going to be a new year, new me, new goals. Things right. are going to be much better. But you still take taking the same situation where we had two days prior or a day prior into the next into the next year. So, you know, you just have to make the best of the situation. That's something that I did like I had always wanted to do a podcast but because as you know we always out on the go moving around hopping cities and stuff like that and you just can't sit down and find the time but you know now that the pandemic has happened you now you have nothing but time you have no more excuses you can just get out and people are actually profiting this is giving people yeah. opportunity to you know work in their garage and work in their, that single room that you've been working out of and mm -hmm. you know you're putting products and you put merchandise out to people so these are opportunities for people to really you know deep dive into themselves and figure out what they want to do going forward because we were just so busy and I just sometimes I, t I talk to my wife about it like this is probably an opportunity for you know the, the man upstairs to kind of slow us down to say hey look we need to slow that slow them down for a second and you know because people are probably just moving way too fast we're just doing too much and it's like hey we need I need to slow them down for a little bit not everybody at, at, a, at the same pace and kind of kind of you know move at their own pace. And so now we have opportunity to do things that we want to do that we've always wanted to do. And so we have to take advantage of this, you know, this downtime. Yeah, and just focus on what's important. You know, Absolutely. like really just hone down on like what's really important. Like we were talking about, you know, time um, in our relationships earlier. Like, yeah, like what's really important is spending reduced time with people. And it's like, you know, you're spending time with people that matter the most. and. Um, now it's like any interaction, like I was saying, like when we got on this podcast, like it's like, man, I haven't even tapped in with you in a minute, you know, like how you doing, how you, you know, we, you know, we meet, we meet each other all the time, you know what I'm saying? So it's like now uh, doing this podcast, even it's like a different level of appreciation of like, oh man, like, all right, I'm like, let's, let's get to talk to somebody. Connect. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Like connect with somebody like, and that's like a, uh, you know, again, I look, I like looking at things in a positive way. And that's a beautiful thing to be like, man, like, we appreciate life more, essentially. We appreciate connection more. Um, you know, I don't, that's how I look at it. So that's yeah. at least a cool aspect of it. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, circle back to what you were saying about the live events. And, you know, we we basically been rocking together for a few years. We, you know, linked up from Trap Art and, and built, a, built a relationship from there. You know, just being creative and collaborating on things like that. And I know we talked about it a little bit earlier. So, you know, what kind of drives you now, you know, when things are a little bit different, you can't go out to those live events. What kind of projects that you're like looking to create or you've been working on or something that's inspiring you that you kind of want to get out there to the people and show your creativity? Yeah, man, it's funny because um, honestly, a lot of at least of 
as of late, a lot of what I've been working on is things that have really already been in the works from uh, even last year, you know, like in terms of like being a film director or editor or filmmaker, whatever you want to call it. Like there's a lot of projects that, you know, for whatever reason, sometimes take a lot of time. <laughs> and so like there's things that I have, like even from last year that, um, you know, haven't even come out yet. Like one short film called Cairo that I've been um, working on and editing. I also directed it. Um, you know, it's so, it's such a, we're going to get that out soon, uh, hopefully before the end of this year, but it's like such a, I don't know, like it's, it's, it's so crucial for me to get this film out, man, because, um, you know, it's a message of positivity in that film. And like, I feel like it's needed for people right now to just kind of have faith, keep going, push through. Um, I don't want to say too much about it, but yeah, that's on the way. I've been working on that. And like, since I've been in LA, there's been a few projects that I already kind of had in the works, um, a few music videos. Um, I know like somebody who I actually uh, met through Trap Art, who's always been active with like, when it comes to the spoken word and, and performances at Trap Art, Infamous Taz, he's having a release party for his project. And I basically did like all the music videos for that project throughout this year. So um, I'm, really, ex I'm lo really looking forward to him kind of like having that event and the response he's gonna get. So, but that was in the works from the beginning of the year. That was, that was in the works from last year, you know, like this whole project. So it's like, I feel like I kind of had this year kind of, you know, a good pace of projects to do. It's really next year what I'm, what I'm focused on now and like the types of projects that I want to do. Um, I've worked on a lot of films, music videos, um, you know, commercials type of profile videos a lot of those sort of things for other people and this upcoming year I'm trying to focus more on like myself and like launching you know my own YouTube channel um, pushing my own brand more um, doing a lot of content for myself including like more thought interviews on like um, just diversity and like uh, you know understanding different perspectives uh, especially in the climate that we're in right now with everything that we've gone through from this past year um, I just want to make like you know, I don't want to say educational, but like informational entertainment that's also features diverse people and different perspectives that we don't typically see. So I know it's kind of broad, but like, yeah, I'm just looking to focus more on myself this upcoming year. And I'm really, you know, looking forward to that. Man, that's awesome, man. And I know a lot of people might not have, they, they don't know you quite yet. I know you've been, you were the videographer for the primary videographer for Trap Bar, your cousins with Jesse, you know, you're pretty, pretty tight and family uh, oriented with Jesse and Amina. So, you know, from the beginning of the Trap Bar, how do you see yourself have grown from, you know, starting with Trap Bar to now? What do you, how do you, how have you grown and what were those things that helped you grow along the way? Man, yeah, good question. Um, yeah, I feel like I've, I feel like I've grown with trap art. Um, I feel like trap art is so dope because everybody who's involved in it is a part of it. You know, it's like a small team, but like even all the artists who come to the events or the hosts who host the parties, like, or, you know, the people who are in the magazines, like they're all, that's what it is. Like it's made up of those people in those stories. So, um, you know, I feel like just as trap art has like evolved so much, uh, so have I, um, you know, on the term in terms of like the creative projects that we've done um together um you know looking at the magazine and like how that's kind of like taken off and 
you know, really like all the work we put into like the physical print copies and now, you know, having to streamline it. So that's all online. Um, and, you know, I'm not as involved with that aspect of it anymore, but um, just seeing like the work that we've done in terms of like those photo shoots, like some of the videos we've done with the fashion shows, like hosting events, really traveling all over the world. Like, you know, it's been, it's been amazing, man. And um, I feel like trap art, has i don't know i've always been like a people person always like to communicate connect with people those sort of things um i think trap art to me is like in terms of your question on how it's propelled me like it's like black lives matter in action and there's other cultures and other you know people involved with trap art of course but it's one of those things where like i've seen the effects of you know small businesses whatever you want to call it artists um entrepreneurs you know, whatever they do is people who are like trying to get it out the mud, like trying to like really find a way to like, you know, I've met, I've talked to so many people at trap art events who have been like, oh, this is my first time doing like, you know, something like where I'm selling my stuff or I've put so much into like this one thing and it just propels them. You see them come back and you'll see them like, you know, a year later, it's like, oh, I have my own business. I have, you know, and I see that. And I would say like, yeah, how it's affected me. I just feel like, you know, going back to what I was saying about focusing on projects I want to do next year, like I'm very uh, particular about like supporting small businesses. I don't even like the word small businesses, but sm supporting small businesses, supporting minority owned businesses. Um, you know, everybody needs, I feel like in terms of videography and in terms of the camera work, like videography is no longer a luxury, it's a necessity. And I always say that to people and it's like, for small businesses, minority owned businesses, I want to be the one to help shape, tell their stories, you know? So um, that's kind of like, I feel like trap arts instilled a lot of that in me, like wanting to like, you know, support my own people and like see them grow and flourish. So I, I would say that's the biggest impact that it's had on me, honestly. Yeah, definitely. I've, I've seen I've seen the growth in you myself personally, you know, coming from just doing the quick interviews to, you know, doing long, long, long form interviews to being creative on the spot. We're going out and we're doing different shoots together and we're just kind of creating it and creating that magic like right there, like no plan, no nothing. We just kind of get there, see the scenery and we just kind of figure out what we're going to do, have a quick powwow and then we go make it happen. And just being able to be around you and just get that inspiration from you and we just vibe off one another when we're doing those type of things. So I've definitely seen the growth from, you know, when I first met you to where you are now, you're like, you're just so much, Appreciate just that. so, so much better when it comes to like telling storytelling, you know, the first we were just like, just putting, putting, putting material out there, so chopping it up and just kind of put it out there. But then now you put more, we start starting to see, you, you can see the thought that you put behind it and you know, the stories that you're telling and how the, you know, I can see a message that you're putting out there. So I definitely, you know, have seen nothing but growth from you from, you know, from when I first met you. And so, you know, I would just want to give you, a, give you a kudos for that and just showing you how much great, how great you are when it comes to that. You know, you even inspired me to do some more video because I really wasn't doing the videos at first. I was doing more just photography. And then now it became, like I said, it's more of a necessity now. You have to know how to, you know, diversify and be able to do different things for people and things like this. So, you know, you know, my tip my cap to you, you know, keep doing what you're doing, keep keep growing. And I'm definitely we're gonna continue to collaborate down the road. So, you know, absolutely and, but we talk I appreciate that. Before you go ahead, man, I appreciate that. And like I, I hate deflecting compliments, but hey, I could write back at you. Like I've seen your progress and like just how much you've grown and like you know, it's, it's dope when like you, I feel like this happens a lot with trap art where like you see people only through the lens of trap art and stuff. And then like, you know, over a period of time, like you'll be like 
on Instagram or something and following somebody else who's completely unrelated or something and they'll post something of like you, for example. And I'm like, oh, like that's dope. Like, you know, like, you know, they working doing something else like outside of this, like this is completely independent and different. Right. And like, that's, that's when I like, okay, like, yeah, expanding, doing thing like that's, I love that. Yeah, most definitely. You know, and even just seeing you when you're doing the fashion shows, like where do you get that energy from when you're hosting the fashion show, when you got the mic and everybody's looking at you? Like, where do you get that energy from to turn up and keep everybody engaged and things like that? Man, honestly, like it may sound corny or whatever, but I feel like from sports, you know, I'm a huge like I don't know if it's sports directly. I'm just a competitive person and I just, you know, People sometimes ask me like, oh, how do you feel comfortable like speaking in a, in a crowd full of people and stuff like that? Like, don't you get butterflies? Don't you get nervous? I'm like, yeah, of course. Like, I love that feeling. Like, I love that. How many things do you do in life where you, where you get butterflies? Like, how many things do you do in life where you actually like feel nervous about it? Like, I feel like that's a good thing. That That's like a, you're, that's like pushing you towards the right direction. Like, I love taking that feeling and just like fighting against it. I, I always like come out on stage and like, I feel like people like, when, when you have the mic and stuff, it's like, I feel like people want me to like slip up. Like they want me to fuck up. I feel like people want me to like say, I, that's honestly like how I be thinking sometimes. And I'm like, nah, like I'm going to, I'm going to do this shit. Like, and it's going to, like, I'm going to win, I'm going to win you over. And like, I don't care what happens. I may not do everything perfectly or things may go off schedule. Things always go off schedule. Um, but it's like, I'm going to just be positive through it. Cause like, F it. Like I was, you know, somebody wanted me to be in this role and like, that's enough for me. Like, you know, I'm gonna like take that and like just have positive energy about it. So I just, I feel like it's a, it's a competitive thing or like, I don't know if competitive is the right word, but I just like that feeling. I embrace that feeling. I'm like, yeah, let's go, let's get it. Like, I don't know where it necessarily comes from. Um, but yeah, I love it. <laughs> the only way you're going to grow, you got to get out your comfort zone. And if you don't, if you're not willing to get out your comfort zone, you're not going to go to different levels. You're going to continue to be complacent. You're going to stay at the same level and you're going to see people kind of rise up and kind of move on and, and level up over you. And you're going to be wondering like, what's going, what am I doing? What am I, why am I not getting to the next level? And that's just because you're in your same comfort zone. You're in the same people. And that's why I, me personally, I'd like to move around to different places because I like to meet new people. Mm -hmm. I like to kind of learn new cities, new systems, and just, you know what I'm saying? Push yourself because, you know, if you never, like, it's like you right now, you've moved out of the Bay Area, you're down in LA, that's out of your comfort zone. You're not around yeah. that family support like you normally have. You kind of got to figure out everything on your own. And I think that's what people have to do. You have to kind of like push yourself and get out that comfort zone. And that's how you get better. You're going to mess up. You're going to make mistakes and that's okay. You know, you just, you just take them as learning lessons and you continue to go forward and continue to push forward. And that's how you're going to get better. So, you know, I know that you're going to do great. You're going to continue to be great. And because the trap bar has been, you know, has gone to new heights just because of you, just because of you and the things that you've done and kind of helped behind the scenes. A lot of people don't see a lot of that behind the scenes yeah. work because they just see the end product. They just see you kind of pop up on stage and you just make it happen. And all yeah. of it's just like, like, where did that come from? Like, no, it, it was a lot of effort and a lot of work went into making that happen. Man, absolutely. No, I think that's a good point, man. Behind the scenes is tricky, man. People don't always see the behind the scenes, but you know, if you don't show them, then they're not going to know, you know, and that's fine too. Um, but I think that's something like I've been cognizant of in general with everything I do with film, just trying to keep the behind the scenes as much as possible. You know, like I, I mentioned, like starting my own YouTube channel and stuff like that. And it's like, there's so much footage I have from stuff that I've been just like working on that like, you know, I haven't necessarily edited yet, but it's like important to have all those behind the scenes things so people don't just see the final results. Like, you know, I think it's yeah, important. Absolutely. And as as a um, as a videographer, like kind of give me some of your your tidbits or some of your tips on when it comes down to breaking down a project, like from beginning, like you come, you have a, 
you have a thought, you have an idea, and do you pin it, do you pin it to the pad? And then how do you, what's your process? Kind of give me some of your tips and your process on how you go about, you know, getting a project come from, from start to finish. Yeah, I mean, that's a, that's a good question. I feel like that's, um, I, I feel like if I could put myself, if I could give myself any particular title, it'd be a producer. Um, and that's, that itself is a broad word, but I feel like the way I summarize it is getting from A to B which is like, a, it sounds simple, but that's like a really hard thing to do. Um, there's so many stages of it. Um, I'm a pretty meticulous person. Uh, my nine to five is I'm an accounting manager. So I have, you know, half of my brain that's like very organized, very, um, you know, like I'm very, you know, maniacal to the T, just like very organized and processed. I would say that's a, a big word, like process. To me, everything is about process. And it's like, when you're talking about a project, there's so many aspects. Like if you're talking about a video project, like there's pre-production, there's the actual production, there's the post-production, like those three words alone, like there's so much that goes in that. And so I remember you were talking about earlier, like us doing shoots and like just kind of meeting about things like, yeah, like to me, like it's always very key, like regardless if you have a shot list put together and how much you've planned ahead of time, like when you're actually in a production, like to meet like at the beginning of something like okay what's this is what we're gonna do this is the game plan is during something like hey what do you see so far like how do you think things are going do we miss anything etc and at the end of something where it's just like a quick summary recap like how did things go like i think like that's so key to like just meet constantly throughout uh, a production um but yeah to i guess more to like your original question on like how do we get from a to b i try to like list it all out like i, I try to like I think uh, one time when I was uh, meeting with 19 Keys, uh, that's what I, that was actually this year, that's a crazy year, long year. Um, I met with 19 Keys at the beginning of the year and we have like a little, um, I, you know, I filmed it, but basically like I was just trying to get him to lay out every single thing he wanted for this project that he was thinking about, like this documentary that he was thinking about. And I feel like that's such a key step um, to, he mentioned to me like, um, it being called like brand therapy and I, I love that uh i love that phrase that, that, that how he called it that um because i feel like that's really what it is a lot of times with artists with creatives they have like a vision they have something they specifically you know want to do but it's hard for them to like get it out exactly like um and i think that it's up to me i look at it as like to be able to get that project from a to b so that's first just listening to every single aspect of what they're talking about putting it into groups um you know figuring out the priorities of it like what are the three most valuable priorities of this project like what are the three things you absolutely want to get done and kind of working backwards like working with the end goal in mind and like seeing how we're going to get there like oh you want to do this type of shoot well that means we're gonna to have to get this and that means we're gonna to have to get this and we have to get props and we gotta get makeup we gotta get like just kind of like listing out these are all the things that you say you want like at the end vision but like that's this is what this entails like just kind of working backwards so I don't know if that answers the question, but yeah, I feel like I just try to, you know, list everything out and um, just have it processed as much as possible, like write it all down. Yeah, that's 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 a major key. You know, you have to be able to know where you're going and have a, have a vision and you guys be on the same page. Otherwise, you're just kind of out just doing anything and, and you can kind of see it with the end product when it doesn't give a message. You just watch something for the last 10 minutes or however long it takes to show this visual 
project and then you're watching you don't know what you just watched it's just a bunch of clips that are put together and it doesn't really it's not cohesive it doesn't it doesn't have a vision and you can kind of tell versus when somebody has to sit down and they plan it out and decide what they want to do how they want to go what locations you want to go to shoot at things like that so it's a lot goes into you know those 10 15 minute um, things that you see on youtube or tv or whatever you watch however you consume it there's a lot like i say pre-production production and post-production that goes along with that you know you shoot for you know, two three days and then you're going you go on post for another three to five to ten days or whatever however long it takes so a lot of people don't really see that part of it just see a piece of artwork and like i say when i see when i see now that i watch more movies and videos i can kind of i have i'm a little bit more fine-tuned when it comes to like oh the lighting and, and what type mm-hmm. of equipment they use and i'm like oh what kind of shot that was like what right you so you're a little bit more to fine tune and my wife be like can't you just watch a movie right. like I, I like i can't because I, I you know you, you you tend to notice those things more and you kind of take a little bit more pride in when you're when you're watching someone when you're doing and when you're shooting it yourself yeah and you have more respect like you just have way more respect like every you know every little thing like just like a commercial i don't know like you just watch and just be like man like they really to shoot this they had to do x y and z like that's crazy i respect that shot like that probably took like you know you just see things that are just like oh man like that's crazy like i don't don't know if you've ever heard of or seen the movie 1917 i've been trying to get my fiance to watch this for a minute it's a war movie but my buddy told me my homie told me about that i haven't seen it yet they filmed it to make are they edited and filmed it to make it look like the whole movie was one shot it's it's amazing it's amazing so like you know you just see like creative things like that like this day and age, people pushing the limits and the stuff. And it's just like, I highly recommend like just on somebody who, you know, um, is experienced when they're making films and things of that nature. Like it's just, it's dope to see, but yeah. Nice. And I know, you know, what we've been going through during the pandemic, I know you probably been paying attention like the rest of the world with this, this election and things like that. Like yeah, for the past, over the last week, over that, couple of days that we had after the actual initial voting day like what were your thoughts and and, and what was going through your mind when they were doing all those uh, ballot counts and just watching the whole ordeal unfold like what were your thoughts about that yeah I mean um I didn't think much of it you know honestly I feel like you know for me well I, let me take that back what I would say is that we were talking about earlier like the restrictions for um COVID um, being very, you know, enforced and severe here in California, whether it's the Bay Area or LA versus like the South and stuff where it's like, are they in a whole different world? Like they have a vaccine, like what's going on? They're just out there. Um, similarly, I think that like in general, as somebody from the Bay Area, um, you know, I feel like people in the Bay and maybe in California in general don't realize that like we're in a bubble, you know? And what I mean by that is like, it's just every conversation you have every um at least for me i'm only going to speak from my perspective but the circles that i'm in you know what because i'm somebody who went to private university i work at you know a, a communication firm in san francisco like you know these are the these are the type of um circles that i'm that i'm in on, on a daily basis and from talking to people you know it's just i feel like sometimes there's a lack of understanding that there are people in this country that have voted for Trump. Like there's people in this country that um, don't think the way we do about everything. Um, and you can see that, I think, in the polling and in the election results. I think that 
four years ago, um, people were so shocked that the polls, the, the pre-polling was so inaccurate. Um, and to me, that comes down to there are closet voters. You know, there's people who aren't showing their true colors when they're at work or when they're at, or whatever the case is like, but they feel a certain way. And Trump really reached that base. Like he had a whole culture with his movement. He reached the whole people that like felt like, you know, um, and I'm not, I, I know I'm over generalizing. There's different people that voted for him for different reasons. But what I'm talking about is it seems that there was like this shadow <laughs> culture, for lack of better words, of people in America, like who felt certain things that he was preaching that they, they got behind, but maybe weren't doing it publicly. I don't know. Um, and so four years later, you know, we look at this, this most recent results. And I think I got the sense that people were kind of um, thinking this was closer than they thought it was going to be based on the polls and based on all those. So similar to like four years ago. And to me, like, that was the most interesting thing about the process to me, because it just shows that like, this isn't like a landslide thing where like, you know, the country feels a certain way and like, we're all on the same page. We're all on, like, no, like, I think that this is a very polarizing time in the country. Um, and Trump has brought that to the forefront for us uh, that, you know, we have a lot of different opinions about things. And, um, you know, he's somebody who there's no uh, diplomacy, you know, when it comes to like uh, communicating differences and um, reaching across the table and things like that. But for people like us who are in like reality and have to live with each other and work with each other and go to school with each other and, you know, have our children, you know, be with other children and, you know, in schools and we just have to be in a society where we're, you know, together. Um, we got to find a way to come to, I guess, like, okay, we have differences. Why do we have differences? Let's not kill each other about those, but like, how can we, you know, move forward? And like, it's okay to disagree on certain things, certain things maybe a little bit more um, intense and a little bit more personal where it's like, I can unequivocally not really rock with you if you believe in this and I don't believe in this, but we still have to find a way to like coexist and whatnot. So that was my biggest like takeaway from the election. Also with the fact that we have a, you know, a, a black woman as a vice president from Oakland, you know, um, we had uh, her niece in um, one of our trap art magazines that we were speaking about earlier. Um, so that was, that was just, you know, a win on that part. I was thinking about that shoot a lot um, uh, when she won. But yeah, just how monumental that that is. Um, and yeah, I mean, those are the two the two big takeaways I had, like that monumental moment and just like there's we're in a bubble <laughs> like because i feel like people aren't realizing that like people are voting this way and you know um and especially in other parts of the country like it's a whole different world yeah most definitely like you kind of go back to what you were saying like those polls we need to just eliminate the polls <laughs> like i said nobody's being truthful on those polls because they don't really want people to know how they're actually you know voting and what they care about what they really care about deep down you know they kind of say one thing kind of try to appease the, the masses when they're at work because they don't want to get they don't rough any feathers and things like that but when it comes down to going to their boat their booth and you kind of just getting out by yourself you can actually go and vote for trump and it's you know it was almost like a seven game series watching this whole thing play out mm -hmm. You know, because we have the, you know, you know, 
the, I always I, I come back to say like the the COVID situation, how bad Trump handled it, it almost it cost him the election because if it wasn't for us being at home, we probably wouldn't have had all the mail in ballots and all you know a lot of people had an opportunity to kind of go do the mail in ballots and that's basically what cost him the, the the election because you know going from the day of the election, you said all the just the walk up polls, mm-hmm. he was basically winning it on a lot of different states when it came to that. But where where, where it kind of killed him at is where we had a lot of those mail in ballots and a lot of more Democrat you know. Yeah, mail in ballots, and so it can kind of came back to bite him on how bad he handled the situation, you know, because we were able to, he was able to kind of flip Georgia, then you were able to get the blue wall, the blue wall states, and then you got to flip Arizona as well. So it kind of like hurt him in the long run. But had he handled that, we would have been still out, you know, in the public as normal. So he probably could have got it. And just to see the country itself is still go for it to be that close with all the stuff we've been through to for him to still have had an opportunity to win is the is the crazy part of it, you know, like you were going back to saying. Yeah, man, I I think that's an interesting uh, perspective on it with the with the COVID affecting like the mail-in ballots. I've always they kept mentioning that like Democrats overwhelmingly um, vote by mail. Um, I'd be interested to like just see more like explanation into that. I'm sure there's things out, but like that's it's just weird to me. Like Republicans don't you know <laughs> use mail-in ballots. Like I don't. It's weird to me. But um, but yeah, that was that was a key point. And um, what else was I gonna say? Yeah, I just feel like, I just feel like, what the hell was I going to say? I don't even remember what I was going to say, bro. I'm losing my <laughs> my bad. Um, but yeah, I, I do think that um, that's an interesting point about the mail-in ballots and, you know, Demo- Democrats typically vote in that way. Um, yeah, I completely lost my train of thought, so I'll just let you know. Yeah, it's just, it just almost like um, the reason why the mail-in ballots kind of won because you had places like, you know, um, you have Michigan and Detroit. These were, you know, you had Detroit where it's a heavy populated area for the black community. And those were the places where a lot of the mail-in ballots came in. You have like Detroit and then you have Pennsylvania where you have Philadelphia in there. You have, you know, a red state like Georgia where a lot of the counties inside of the state were was produced a red state, but then the mail-in ballots came back where like Atlanta, Georgia, and you know, you have Fulton County where all these, this is the more heavy populated area where the black community is. So it really took the black community to get behind, you know, Biden, Kamala, 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 Mm -hmm. get behind Kamala to actually, you know, put, propel him over the the two, over the, the electoral college votes that he needed. So he actually needed the black community to really come out and the way that the, the black community really voted was by mail-in ballots. And it just took a long time for us to get there because of us having to, they had to count one by one and, and kind of go yeah. whole, the whole ordeal. And just to see in like certain states where he still had an opportunity to win to kind of show you that they still try to, it still try to hold on to, you know, the ideology of Trump. For the past four years, I'm understanding like all the stuff that you know everybody's went through, and like I say, a lot of people are in that in that same bubble. Like we're in our bubble, they're in their bubble, and they're both yeah. they kind of mm-hmm. you know you know go for their, their. And it's not, and it's I would say too, like it's not just a bubble. It's the fact that like we are encouraged to be in our bubbles from you know you go on Instagram, and that's what we work off of Instagram and Facebook, the social media era where like they're all algorithm based, where it's like you're not seeing what's most recent, you're seeing what's most catered to you to keep you on more, and it's like if you're thinking a certain way then like you're just going to continue to see things that are a certain way and like it's just going to reinforce your opinions and then if you you know think a different way you're just going to c- continue seeing things from that side and it's like you know that's it's not just a bubble like it's literally like a 
it's a serious thing that like it's been catered to be a bubble and like to keep you in your kind of state if you have like if you like one conspiracy theory you're going to see a bunch of other conspiracy theories and you're going to be more likely to you know like that's just how the snowball effect goes with those sort of things um but yeah what i was going to say uh apologize for that brain freeze earlier but what i was going to say was um just there was a lot of uh propaganda marketing advertising about voting you know like there always is but i feel like there was like you know obviously with the nba bringing it back to sports you made the game seven analogy like there's like a heavy push for people to vote and get active and that's always really interesting to me because like i understand like the intention i'm i'm very particular with words and i can be very annoying uh because of this but like for me it's just like maybe i'm just being too particular um and too nuanced but it's like i just feel like it's it's vote like with knowledge and vote with like because i just feel like there's so many people who like yeah you know you're gonna vote for president but on anything else do you know who you're voting for like do you know who these people are have you researched anything like what is your process for identifying who you're gonna pick for those positions like you know like there's so many ways you can go about it but for most for a lot of us who aren't you know superly heavily involved until we have to actually vote i feel like you know just looking at different websites to give you various uh, information and then having some frame of reference for like i try to have like any like big decision like something like voting i try to have like somebody i know on one side who i really look up to and you know value their opinion and somebody i know on the other side who um you know has a different opinion and try to like ask them like why do you feel comfortable with this person and like what are the main things like for you and I, I try to get like another perspective what are the main things for you and then you know you can make an educated decision for yourself after the research you've done and the hearing perspectives from people who you know maybe you maybe you don't look up to necessarily but maybe you work with or maybe you know just somebody who you would actually like I don't want to say trust but somebody whose opinion you know um and so the, everybody has their own process and everything but yeah I, I feel like educated voting is really important if you don't want to vote like I'm not somebody who's like, you know, I feel like everybody is entitled. That's what freedom is. You're entitled to do what you want to do. Like, if you don't want to vote, like, that's fine. Like, you have to understand what those uh, implications mean. You know, people always say like, oh, you don't, if you're a, a non-vote is basically a vote against, like, no, it's a non-vote. Like, I understand what you're saying logically, like, if you don't continuously, like, you know, but if you don't, if you also feel like it's a lesser of the evil situation and you don't want to pick one of those sides, like, you're entitled to that opinion. And I'm not going to like knock somebody for doing that and having that mindset i voted you know but you know i don't knock people who didn't for that reason i knock people who didn't vote just because oh i forgot or I didn't. <laughs> like that's like a whole different thing but like if you're literally not voting as a power move to like not vote like that's what you want to do hey it's your prerogative so yeah i just wanted to make the point that like there's a lot of propaganda about that and stuff but like it's just funny because if it's coming from like somebody like lebron james it's like come on man like you we know you're not saying vote trump like listen, we might as well just say like on this app, like right now, like just vote for the right team. And you like, you know what I'm saying? Like, let's just be explicit with it. Cause like, like, it's just funny to me when everybody's just like, vote, vote, vote. It's like, y'all know what y'all like vote for this and don't vote for that. Cause it's like, you know, that's what we really, you know, push it. But I, yeah, I'm going you gotta have, it. it's, it's all about having an educated vote. And that's what yeah. I started leading up to the, leading up to the election on my podcast. I was just telling people like, you know, it's not, it's not all about just voting for your president. Yes, the president's on a ticket. Yeah. Several, there were many, many other things on the ticket to vote for Like you have, I tell them, I, I was, to, like I say, it's all, I think the president's for like, uh, keeping 
you know, big brother keeping the world safe and keeping us, keeping arms and keeping everything, you know, keeping us protected. But when it comes down to what really affects your life is your local voting, you know, things like the yeah. city council, your school programs, the kind of handling, handling your kids' school programs and your districts and, you know, your city councils, just those type yeah. of things, your mayors, your, your, your lord, I mean, your, your mayors and your judges and things like that, yeah. kind of really going to affect you daily. You know, yes, you, you want to vote for the president, but the things that are really going to affect you, affect you is like your taxes and your, and your local taxes and yeah. things like that. And so kind of circle back to what you were talking about, like social media, like I watched uh, the, the social dilemma. I'm not sure if you saw mm. that yet. I, I haven't seen that one, but yeah, I've heard about it. I'm probably going to watch the, it. Go ahead. You had a social dilemma where it's almost like a supercomputer is like pointing back at you. So whatever you're like really zoning in on, on your on your feed, that's what that's what you're going to get. So if you're into one particular way of thinking, then that's what's going to give you the, the algorithm is going to push more of that to you. And so you're going to just feed that and that's going to sway your opinion if you're not if you're not careful. And there are, you know, and, and the social dilemma kind of breaks down on like how they go about you know, doing these different things to kind of keep you on the keep you on the platform and keeping you engaged on the platform and showing you the things like it's it's not even it's not even order anymore. It's just all about what they think you want to see. So it's almost like whether well, the robots are actually controlling the humans. Right. You know, we, we try to we, we watch the movies all the time about it, but then we, we don't realize that it's actually happening right now where the computers are actually control almost controlling us. You know, we right. have, always have our phones charged. We always it's almost like we're addicted to our phones because of these applications that are on a phone. So who's controlling who? Yeah. Nah, it's, it's like it's, who's controlling who when it comes when it comes down to it. So that's why I was just trying to let people know like, hey, look, it's just not all about your president when you vote. It's about the things that affect you locally. So be be educated, look into these people who are running for these these different positions because you can go into the ballot box and you can just see the president and you have all these propositions and all these people on the ballot. You have no clue who you're voting for. And when you make a when you make an uneducated vote, it could be something that could really be harming your home your community. Yeah, it'd be nice if like I don't know, you know, you talking about this right now. It's like it'd be nice if there was like various town halls where I had multiple people from you know various propositions that are on the ballot and stuff to like. And I'm sure there, those things do exist, and it's been difficult, especially with this COVID situation. But it'd be nice to have more things like that readily accessible and available to us for people, whether even if it's online, you know, just so people can like, you know, set some time aside where it's like, oh, on, you know, October 17th, I'm going to go attend this, you know, this meeting and kind of get this perspective to help inform my decision. So it's like a forced thing that's like, it's like a pre-vote. Like you, you can't just, you have to have like something specifically scheduled and ready where you're going to actually learn about you know what i'm saying like otherwise it's like what are you gonna like when are you gonna do that for a lot of people a lot of people like they don't need of course they don't need that and stuff but i think for me from my vantage point i feel like for the overwhelmingly majority you know vast majority of people young people like they don't necessarily always know um yeah i know i, I didn't I, unless i was just doing research for myself so i was like you know how are you supposed to <laughs> i did the same thing i had to sample ballot and i had to really just go from um uh, prop by prop um, person by person, you know, look at the props, see the pros and see the cons and to try to determine which one was the I'll go to all their websites and stuff. I'll be going in like <laughs> you have to do your research, man, because you have to know what you're voting for, because you, if you're voting for those, like because all those props, they're so similar when they come when you break it down, like the pros and the cons and they're yeah, all how they explain it. Sometimes you think it's something that's not. <laughs> Yeah, but it's like isn't that fine? It's in the fine details of what you might miss. What's really that, happening? Yeah, yeah, it could really shoot up something in your neighborhood, right. and you you be like, like, this sounds good. Yeah, like what? <laughs> yeah, 
And then all of a sudden you see this big high rise come up right around the corner from you. And you're like, why is a high rise right there? It should be voted a, for it. something like that. You're like, no, you voted for this. It, it passed. And you're like, well, I didn't vote for that. You're like, and you go back and like, oh, yeah, yes, you did pass. Right. So that's what I'm saying. It's about having an educated vote. And when you're coming back to talk about LeBron and you talk about, you know, just vote, vote, vote. Like, what do you feel? How do you, what are your thoughts on the season, the NBA season starting back, you know, pretty early, like right around like Christmas time? Oh, man. Um... I mean, as a fan, I feel like, yeah, that's great. Like, <laughs> you know, like, let's get it done. Like, I don't, as a fan, like, it doesn't, that's great for me. I mean, there's a lot of uh, business, um, which is why, you know, they're coming back the way they are in terms of a 72-game season. It's going to be a little bit fast. Even though it's less game, it's going to be a little bit faster because we're doing with less time. Um, because if you, you know, if you sacrifice more this season, you're sacrificing next season. It's kind of like that kind of thing because um, they need to get their games in for, they're already losing a lot of money with, you know, especially places like California where they know they can't have fans. Um, you know, those owners are losing a lot of money. And it's like, who cares? Like, I'm not, like, I'm not one of those, you know, million dollar, billion dollar uh, owners. So it's like, why, you know, from, from my vantage point, it doesn't care. But for them, like, this is their business. And like, they're losing money. That's just the fact of the matter. So it's like, I get the fact that they need to, you know, press things and with the draft. It's just so interesting. It's like, it's going to be the draft, free agency, trade. Like, it's all that's basically at once. And I'm like, you know, I'm a huge sports nerd. Like, and I specifically um, when it comes to like the NFL and NBA drafts, um, I'm really big on that. I've typically been more big on the NFL draft than the NBA draft. But this year, for what I don't, maybe it's because it's more, more time or what, but I've been got, I got super into the NBA draft. So I've, I know. I know the prospects like very well and I've kind of done my research. So I'm just interested to see. I feel like when you're a fan of the draft, it makes you a fan of the league that much more because you know, like, you kind of like get your, um, the guys who you like the most and like, you just want to follow their careers and like, you know, what teams do they go to? Like, oh man, like this is a perfect fit. Oh, this is a terrible fit. And it's like, you kind of like, you follow those guys, like where if it's a random game on a Wednesday night, you're like, oh, I want to see like this player. I want to see if he's doing well and like, you know, I just I'm I'm very much into that. So, but yeah, I'm excited for the season to come back. Yeah, the NBA does a great job in promoting their stars and promoting their product and getting it out there. And because you know, football is a little bit different when it's almost a helmet syndrome where you can't really see the faces. So, but yeah. with basketball, you actually see their faces. And like you, I like I get into the I get into the NFL draft maybe more than, than the NBA draft. But the, just getting into the draft and following, like I said, following those guys' careers and seeing where they go and how they how they um, see if their careers blossom and things like that. Yeah. You know, they, they sit into a, a certain system and things like that. You know, I was a little biased in the beginning, but uh, um, before the season kicked off, the, the prior seasons just kicked off, I was like, when they when they kind of got back out to the bubble, I was like, I don't know, this is going to be like a, a Astro type season. I'm not going to really, I don't know if I'm going to like it, no fans. But then when you start watching it, it just felt like, it felt like basketball. Like, I'm pretty sure for the guys who were in the bubble because they talk about, you know, after the fact that they was in the bubble for like three months and that was just kind of hard because you couldn't see family and things like that. But just watching it from the outside looking in, you know, it felt like real basketball. It felt like it was an even playing field because normally when we have basketball, teams are flying back and forth and then you kind of have, you know, two days here and a day there and a two days there when you find, especially in the playoffs. But it just felt like this was just an even, it was an even kill. Like you guys are eating the same meals, you stay in the same hotels, you have, you walk in the same distance to the, to the arena. Like you guys all had the same um, level of, of access to the buildings and just everything was just on the same level when it came down. So I was like, man, it just felt like real basketball to me. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, that that same level is a disadvantage, though, because you have rookies and stuff who aren't having to deal with crowds and who don't have to go with like, you know, traveling this that night and traveling here and getting like there's there's there, 
to me, like there's every season in any sport and anything in life is always an asterisk season. It always is. Like at the end of the day, like there's always going to be a reason for something positive or negative. Like at the end of the day, winners win, losers lose. And like, you know, when the Warriors won their first championship, um, when this, you know, Steve Kerr era, uh, you know, LeBron didn't have Kyrie or Kevin Love. That's just a fact. That's not like it, it takes anything away. But that's just what it is. You know, next year, like Draymond Green got suspended and all that. Like, that's just a fact. Like, you know, then they had a few years where it's full health, <clears throat> full health, you know, and all that. So that's great. But then like, there's always going to be whether it's like somebody getting hurt, like an injury asterisk or like, yeah, you were the bubble champion. That's an asterisk. But it's also like people can say that that's that means more because like you had to, again, go through like, you know, no fans like as a as a higher seed. I look at it like the NCAA tournament. The lower seeds are always at an advantage because they're the underdog. And, you, and when you're in a neutral crowd or when you have like no fans or it's a neutral crowd, you're going to essentially like there's more. You're the underdog. There's always be more of a juice. There's more pressure on the people who are expected to win. You know what I mean? So it's like I feel like in that way, you can say that LeBron and the Lakers like they, you know, they beat the Astrid because like they, you know, they, 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 they surpassed what they were supposed to do. I mean, you can go either way with it. But my point is like there's always the Astrid. And winners win and losers lose. Like somebody's got I th- this is how I put it. They all agreed to go to the bubble. Somebody had to win. And there's a championship on the line. I don't care if there's your legacies on the line. Like Paul George, like your legacies on the line. I don't I don't, you know, like Maybe. at the end of the day, like Luca, uh Jamal Murray, like all these people, like your legacy, you you made huge strides in your legacy. Like we'll see how you follow up with it the following year and stuff. But like, no, like I I'm still watching basketball. Like you said, it still felt like basketball. It's like your legacy is on the line. So you can make excuses about the bubble. You can make excuses about chemistry, about being in the hotel away from your family. Those things are all valid, but you still have to have a winner and a loser. And it's like, that's how I look at it. Like, I'm sorry. Like, that's what sports is. Like, you win and you lose. Like, period. There's asterisks all over. Who cares? I don't care. I'm trying to win. It's all about overcome. Who can overcome? Like, cause we're all, it's not, like I said, it's, you're, you're all in the same place. It's not like exactly. we, we, we didn't have to run. We didn't have to fly from New York to LA. We're like, we're no, we, we play a game. We go back to our hotels. We eat from the same restaurant. We eat from the same hotel. And the real hoopers, you see the who the real hoopers are. You see who the Jimmy Butlers are and the, like you see it, that. It exposed the weak-minded people because, you know, like you said, you see your pandemic P and you try to, <laughs> like, he just kind of collapsed in the bubble. Like he, he mentally got fatigued in the bubble. Whereas you have people who are a little bit more stronger mind like you say you have jamal murray and you have the nuggets that just really balling it they can actually excel because they don't have the crowd then you just can play and focus on basketball that's all you yeah and the the thing about and the thing about paul george because again these are there are valid excuses he talked about mental health all those sort of things i'm you know i totally understand that and like i'm not somebody wants to just bash on this guy just because like but at the end of the day like he puts so much of that on himself with what he was doing on social media, like attacking Dame and like saying different, you know, like all those sort of things. Paul George's post-game press conferences are the worst. You know, him just coming with the ice pack and like being like, oh, you know, this is the reason why I was struggling. Like, he's just, if his whole career, he's always been just like, he just has these weird post-game, like these terrible games and these weird post-game press conferences where he's talking about Dame, like that was a bad shot. Or when he was like, what got out of the um, out of the playoffs when he was with Indiana and say, oh, my legs were tired. Or like, so, it's like, you, you, don't, you just can't be like the, the guy, like being paid as much as you are and a leader of a team, a leader of a franchise and like having those sort of excuses in your post-game press conferences and stuff, you know, just, I just, I don't have sympathy for that. So like, yeah, and mental health, all those sort of things, everything he was dealing with, I understand, but all that, he brought a lot of that on himself. So like, that's how I look at it.
I think what if we what if we just overvaluing you know him as a talent as an NBA player like we we got him on a, we got him on the high well they put him on the high pedestal like that but maybe he's just not that guy maybe we shouldn't be having him up there like with the Kawhis and the, the LeBrons and the ADs and kind of get him in that in that same level whereas we we expect more from him and when we kind of expect more from him he kind of collapsed maybe he shouldn't be that maybe he shouldn't be up there maybe he should be down in the next level where like Westbrook and those type of players that you know maybe should be there. I think he is now, you know, I think he is now. Um, I feel like it's almost like, you know, you overrate him a little bit. Now he, I feel like he's becoming a little bit underrated almost possibly. I mean, he was an MVP candidate with OKC. I don't know if it was a serious one before he, you know, got injured the first year Giannis won. Um, but uh, I feel like Paul George is like, he's he's kind of like, he's kind of like a um, success. Uh, he's kind of like a successful Andrew Wiggins to me, where it's like, he just has almost, he has like the ideal just wing makeup you know what i'm saying like he has the ideal body type the ideal athleticism the ideal his shot looks great you know he's a great one he has a great crossover for like he just he's like the ideal swing honestly like i just feel like paul george is like that person he's that dude like he really is like and so it's kind of polarizing he's like a polarizing player in that regard because like you see the potential you see like what he is and you see what he could be but he's also very underwhelming in big in big situations and stuff and i feel like it's just understanding what that is like i feel like maybe we overvalued the clippers overall because they didn't really have a floor general like as great as Kawhi is he's not a leader like he's not a leader you know what i'm saying it's like is paul george gonna be a leader no <laughs> like so it's like that's we didn't really think about that i think like as a as a whole like coming into like looking at the clippers and stuff so i feel like those are really more so the issues like and you can put a lot of that on the coaching you can put a lot of that on the gm making up the team the way they did but i mean shoot you have quiet leonard basically had them you know he held he held a gun to them he said i want you know this this is what i want they had to trade their whole franchise away like <laughs> to get yeah. paul george and Kawhi, and now you have them but you don't have anything else so if they get chris paul which i doubt was going to happen that would be a cap under, it's crazy. You got his contract is so massive that it's gonna be hard to fit him under the cap and keep Paul George. You have to almost dump the whole team. Yeah, I mean they'll have to get rid of uh, Pat yeah. Dev. Yeah, you have to bats and get rid like, of the you, 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 get, you 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 get rid of your strong part of your your, your team, which is your yeah. depth. Yeah. No, you, that's you get, rid of, you get rid of that, then you have nothing. You can't compete, and that's what it's all about. In the play. Like you can win some games in the regular season because yeah. running Great across players. your tees, you, you can just overpower them. But when it comes to the playoff and it comes to coaching and the, and the rotation get tighter, it's like you gotta have you gotta be able to you know be able to withstand those waves and be able to withstand the, the, the depth, the, the yeah. switching of the lineups and different things like that. And if you can't do that, then you, you're not going to be able to go far in the, in the playoff. Like you may get the first round, but then when you start playing teams a little bit more talent, it's going to be hard to get past that. So it's going to be hard for him to get under that cap. So I don't know if they'll be able to do it. Yeah. And the way, you know, the way how, you know, uh, Kawhi basically hold the Lakers, hold my squad hostage over the summer because we thought, you know, he he said, oh, I want to be a Laker. Oh, Trip, I forgot you were a Lakers fan, man. Yeah, Congratulations, then, man. Congratulations, man. Yeah, appreciate it. Like I said, he held them hostage, and then we yeah. had leftovers that was out on the free agent market. And then, you know, Paul George talked about he just used the Lakers as leverage to be able to get to where he wanted to get. So it all kind of comes back to bite you at the end. Right. But, you know, just and, being sports fans. And that, you know, and like, that's, a, that's a scary situation that the Lakers didn't even, like, That's I feel like that's a really underrated part of their team, that, like, their team was put together with scraps, and Avery Bradley didn't come, and DeMarcus Cousins got hurt. Like, yeah, and they, you know, they still got it done with just basically LeBron. I, that team, I'm sorry, I know you're a Lakers fan, but like that team, like that Lakers team to me was disgusting. Like, I can't believe that's a championship team. 
Like, I, and I know it's because they have LeBron and AD and like, those are great players, you know, but like just seeing KCP, Danny Green, um, Kuzma, terrible. It was, like, I just, I, it's like, I can't believe those guys are champions. Like, it, it hurt me every night just watching the way how Kuz was just not, standing, just, not up to the plate. And then you see, then you just seeing the players just not living up to the, to the expectation that you think they should play up to. And they were just like, oh, we need to dump KCP. Dwight Howard? I, like I to, like all the stuff Dwight Howard was doing, all the stuff he was doing. Like to me, I just like the fact that those guys have rings. Like it makes me want to throw up, honestly. Like I and, and, it, and it and it shows how great LeBron and AD are. You know, it shows how great they are. Like the, yeah. great, great players, great players. And AD didn't. AD didn't. I don't feel like AD became this champion. He's the same player he was in New Orleans. He's just playing with LeBron. You know, like he's 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 been. AD's been AD. Like AD is like you can go get you. You can go get your double double easy, no problem. It's just thirty, your thirty team easy. He's a guard, you know, like a, a seven foot guard who is in, who almost you know defensive player of the year. The guy is yeah, this guy's crazy. <laughs> so yeah. I'll be interested to see what they do in the offseason. I'm I'm not in uh, both. I, I think I'm especially as somebody who's you know I'm a county manager like. I've been getting more into the cap and understanding how things work in basketball and, and uh, football, um, but I'm not historically. I'm not like super familiar with like oh, I, I just kind of stay away from that stuff because it gets confusing. But mm -hmm. like, so I'm not sure what the Lakers' situation is, but it'd be interesting to see if they can like like what they can do this off season, like and how they're gonna you know work to improve their team because like yeah, they're 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 gonna be a problem if they actually can put things together how they want. Yeah, it's going to be tough because, you know, you got KCP and worked himself into a, a big contract after this year. And then you got uh, Rondo. He's actually wanting a little bit more money. So he got opportunity to maybe go with the Clippers or go back with the Lakers because he, he'd be good for the Clippers, yeah. Agents and things like that. But, you know, just it's just all about, you know, building a team and building the players around LeBron and around AD. You know, you can kind of get, as long as you get some buy some service or players that got a little bit of basketball knowledge and can hoop, they can kind of possibly make it work because, like you said, LeBron and AD's talent is going to just take them as far as they can go but then you're gonna to have to have those role players that kind of step up here and there to kind of make big plays and play some defense and get scrappy and things like that and that's basically what they did this time around plus they didn't have to play the clippers too so that was a big plus that them not having to face the clippers yeah, that would have been the clippers robbed us yeah the clippers just absolutely robbed us of what we wanted to see clippers were built to play against the lakers when they weren't necessarily built to play against the nuggets it's all about matchups in the play it's all about matchups and just to make the transition from that to just you know continue to talk about the sports like mm -hmm. you know how do you like what do you see going on in the NFL right now. And I know the Niners are my team, just they're falling apart with all the injuries. It's going to be hard to even, like, what do you think they're going to do with, you know, with Garoppolo and things like that? And, and just the NFL in whole, like, what are you seeing right now that's kind of get you excited about the NFL? Yeah, I mean, the NFL, um, I mean, similar to the NBA, but I feel like, I feel like more adversely, like having no fans changes things so much. I mean, when you're going into like a road game in Seattle or something, it's like, you know, you can barely hear your snap count and you know, like that's changes literally the game. It's like, we don't have that this year. And I feel like that's a part of the reason why you're seeing so many rookie quarterbacks ball out the way they're doing it because it's just like a different kind of scenario. Similar to like Tyler Hero in the NBA. I feel like that's why you see the Justin Herbert's like, I'm not taking anything away from what they're doing, but I feel like that's a factor in it. Um, so, but football is just fantastic, man. Like there's so many great storylines. There's so, I mean, football, NFL is always, it's just king, man. It's just, I, I love watching football. Um, but yeah, specifically for us Niners, man, it's just been a very difficult year, man. I mean, we started with losing the Super Bowl and it just, you know, snowballed from there. Um, I was pretty much um, pretty big Jimmy G supporter last year. 
um, against criticism he was getting. Um, and then this year, I after the Miami game, I was pretty much done. Um, so things, you know, change fast, but we just haven't seen improvement. And I think that, you know, I, I, I know the Niners very well. And um, I feel like what I would do is much different than what they're going to do. Um, I would trade I would let go of Garoppolo because, you know, there's only two million dead cap and we have to pay Fred Warner. We have to pay um, who else we have to pay. We have to pay Fred Warner and one more person we have to pay. Oh, um, Trent Williams. So we have to like, you know, get some cap to those guys. Um, I would let go of Garoppolo and I would trade whatever is necessary to get Justin Fields, which is going to be a lot. <laughs> which, which would be a lot. Yeah, I don't think you're going to be able to get in there. You're not going to be in the game. It's, it's very unlikely. Because they got fans and you got the Dallas Cowboys probably going to lose out. The Jets going to yeah, lose. Yeah, I mean, if it, the only way it works is if the Jags don't get the second pick. There's a lot of AFC teams that have quarterbacks that have bad records, such as the Chargers, the Bengals. And on the NFC side, there's the Cowboys. What are they going to do? Are they going to draft the quarterback or are they going to trade the pick? Like that's, you know, are they going to bring back the, Dak Prescott and trade the pick or are they going to draft the quarterback? Like, but there are options like they're, they're potentially not right now. If the Jags are in the spot, they're going to draft them. But if they're not, if the Jags aren't number two, then I think we possibly could trade up with whoever's number two. That's what I would do. I know it's not going to happen. That's very far fetched. Like, I just think Justin Fields is like, he's going to be like, he's going to be an MVP, like in the future. Like, I, I feel like Justin Fields is going to be better than any quarterback that came out this year or last year or the year before. I, I just feel like he's going to be like on Pat Mahomes level, which is sacrilegious to say but that's how i feel about justin fields um what i think they'll do is um let garoppolo go and uh draft a quarterback um such as like a Kyler trask from florida i think uh, a lot of people a lot of 49ers fans want a zach wilson from byu but i think he's I gonna go in the top five picks he's probably gonna go top 10 picks we're not gonna have a top 10 pick and i don't think he's worth trading up for i think fields is worth trading up for but i don't think Zach. i don't think uh, wilson is worth trading up for um, and I do, I do think he's going to be QB three. There's Trey Lance, who a lot of people are talking about from North Dakota State. I do. He's just he's so much of a project because he hasn't played college football this year, and last year is the only year that he played as a, I think a redshirt freshman. So it's like that would be unheard of for a quarterback to only have like one. I mean, Justin Burrow came out like one season and stuff, did his thing, but that's a different scenario. He's in the SEC. He's older. Like I just feel like that's a little bit different of a scenario coming from North Dakota State, not playing this year, so having a whole year off, like. I just feel like it's going to be such a project. I think he's he's worthy of being drafted in the first round, but it has to be to a team who's willing to sit him maybe for some time, like maybe not have him come out. And that's not our situation. We need somebody like now. Oh, so, yeah. So I, I feel like we maybe draft um, Trask from Florida. And if it's not him, then I we're going to get what I don't. I mean, there's I don't know if it's Sam Darnold. I, what? A little trash like that. I, don't, I mean, the trash kid. From you see his last game? Yeah, I see him, but you know, I still think I'm he's like killing. But it's all about it's all Dan Mullen. That's what Dan Mullen does. He's a quarterback. He's a quarterback whisperer. He, I will say, I would say Trask, like he, from what I see, he's great in the pocket. He doesn't have athleticism to like, you know, make plays, you know, things like that. But like similar to like, you know, Tom Brady's just elite in the pocket. Like Trask seems very, very good in the pocket. I will say that about him. That's the only thing I can give him. But you gotta have. But nowadays, the, the league is actually flipped. Where it's, it's, it made that transition, as you saw, we have those older quarterbacks like you got yeah. the Bees and you got the Breezes and you got the Rogers. You gotta run. Yeah, I agree. I agree. So now it's to the point where you gotta have somebody who can who can throw. I agree. Who can but, move, get mold. 
and get out of the But your original question was, what do we think the Niners will do? And that, again, that's different from what I would do. And I feel like Shanahan is somebody who has such, I mean, all coaches have egos, all players have egos and stuff. I just feel like Shanahan to me strikes me as somebody who has an incredible ego, who feels like, number one, like I can win with like the quarterback I get to run my system because I'm going to scheme up plays. They're going to be open. All you need to do is do what I freaking tell you to do. Go where I freaking tell you to go with the ball and it will be open and it will work. I feel like that's his mindset. I also feel like RG3 heavily scarred him. I feel like having like a mobile quarterback who was like a cocky person who like came out second pick, all the fans wanted them, all the, you know, like, yeah, let's get RG3. And he won rookie of the year. And then, you know, like, I just feel like that really scarred Shanahan because like he kind of spiraled out. He see, RG3 just seems very cocky. He seemed, at least earlier in his career, seemed like the guy who kind of probably didn't listen to things, kind of too much ad-libbing, do it on your own. Um, and although that was successful at first, he got injured, you know, mm-hmm. within that same year, they got Kirk Cousins. Yep. And they told him to do. You know, I feel like that's what Shanahan wants. He wants, he doesn't want like a, a, like trading up to get a Justin Fields, for example, hypothetically is so anti Shanahan because it's like, you're, you you are kind of admitting just by trading picks that like, you think this guy is going to save your team. Like, he's like, no, I have everything together. I have the plays to draw up to win, to win games. We could win this way. Like, I just need somebody to execute my system. But from what, what we've seen in, you know, the time, you know, past 20 years, 25 years, the only quarterbacks who have won a Super Bowl who aren't first round picks, um, you know, is Tom Brady and Russell Wilson. I mean, really, those are the only ones. Like you, you have to have a first round quarterback. <laughs> like it, that's what you need. That's because that's the leader of your franchise. You gotta have. Yeah, if, you gotta have that down. Position right, then you just you just spiral in the whole season. You just you, you're always gonna have to try to overcome. You know, bigger teams who are gonna have be able to score. You gotta be able to put points on the board. You not know? only that, it's not only that, it's the price tag. Because like the thing with Jimmy G, if he was 10 million, 15 million, 16 million, like I feel like 27 million honestly is not even that bad. But like we have to pay people and whatnot. Like and it's like it's just a finance thing. Like. You cannot afford to do that. Like, I would rather trade a bunch of draft picks this year, next year, two years from now to get a really, really good quarterback who we know we can, you know, work around with what we can spend on other areas. And then three or four years from now, we'll have the draft picks to do what we need to do to build the team that way because we'll be paying him. I just feel like that's how it kind of works. So I, the way how the, the way how, how, it, how it plays out now, you got to get the quarterback on a rookie deal and yep. you got the team around him fast. Yep. You, you, you pay them because you put them on a rookie deal. You're paying them cheap and you build a team around and you put a defense around. And them. we have that. We and have you that. win and you win and you win quick. And then do like do like the Chiefs do. You pay them on you pay them on a longer term deal. Like I think when we heard the 200, 200 million dollar deal that came from Mahomes, it was like, what? What? Wow. What, that's a crazy number. But then when you look at it, it's prorated over 10 years where it gives you flexibility to be able to put players around you. Yes, you're going to probably, you know, in, in on the seventh the year. Go up so, yeah, it'll go up and then you have to renegotiate. But then that gives you opportunity to put players around you. And I think, you know, with when, it, when, I, when I first started saying Garoppolo, I was like, I was telling Jess, I was like, I don't really, you know, I'm not really buying into this because I saw like his decision making and his turnovers. And I was just like, oh, okay, yeah, he could make some things happen, but he just not, he's not solid. And then he just couldn't stay healthy. So, you know, I wasn't That's really just- part of it too, the health. It's not just- I, was, yeah, yeah. I, I wasn't sold on it. And then for him to just tear his ACL like that to make on a run, just get out of bounds. Like, dude, what are you doing? Yeah. Get out of bounds. You trying to take on a, trying to take yeah. on a, a cornerback? Get out of bounds. What are you doing? Yeah. And for him to just, you know, just can't stay healthy. That's the big mm-hmm. thing. Like if you don't, if you don't have a quarterback who can stay healthy, because think about it, you got people like you got you got uh, Russell Wilson who's never in, missed a game, never missed a game. Then you got Kyler Murray who's who's healthy, who's young, yeah. and it doesn't even take hits. Yeah. Then you got Jared Goff who's healthy, and, and you're the only never one missed a game. And you got a, you got you got the only quarterback in the division who's always hurt. You got him always. You playing with can't back. do it, and you're paying him twenty seven million. Can't do it. You can't win. You can't. You can't. No. 
go far, yeah, you can kind of piece together a couple of wins here and there, but then they only hurt you in the long run because you don't get a good draft pick. Yeah, and I feel like we, the Niners, you know, it's, it's easy to look in retrospect. I don't want to just pile on them, but it's like they looked at like, okay, we were, you know, a few plays short of the Super Bowl. Like, let's basically run it back. And it's like, instead of like doing things a little bit differently or trying to go in like a different direction, you know, it's like we had everything fall through for us last year. We weren't a Super Bowl contending team at the beginning of the year. That comes with momentum. And when you win games and you string together wins and you get confidence and then you become a different team, you become a confident team. You come, you trade for Emmanuel Sanders, you get that swag, you have that confidence. Like, and then this year, you know, it's, yeah, I mean, and then this year I just felt like Buckner versus Armstead. I hate to say it, but it's just, it's, it's going to haunt them. Like at the time I thought it was a good, a good situation. Like a smart thing to do. Like we got a first round pick kind of replenish Ken law. Like I, he doesn't, I don't know. He's, give, he's a rookie. You gotta give it time. You know? Yeah, I know. Give it time. You but, give it. but I just, I just, man, like I, if we could have traded Armstead for like a fourth rounder or like a third rounder and just kept Buckner and not got Ken law, I would have taken it. Like I just, I just, he rigging shot right now. Oh man, I, I, Buckner's a hard worker. He never misses games. He he's the type of player you want to pay. You know, like Armstead. He had I don't want to say he had one good year, but I mean he had injuries. He had all that, and like you know, just like you said about Jimmy G, availability in football is huge. Like you're gonna have to play hurt. Like everybody's hurt. You yeah. know, so I just Armstead, man. He's just I don't know. He's got to be around great players for him to be good, and that's just concerning. Nice. <laughs> Uh, I know I want to uh, just move on because I to talk about this. I want to get get your opinion. I know yeah. I, with the social media thing, I know we talked about that. Just kind of circle back to, you know, versus kind of popped up out of the pandemic mm-hmm. and took advantage of everybody being at home. They have announced that, you know, that they're going to have the next versus between G's and T.I. Like, okay. I, well, have, I thought he was going to try to go with 50. You know, he knows that was, that was T.I. trying to call out 50 because he wanted to okay. kind of get in the upper echelon and kind okay. of make sure he, he get because when you when you when you're on that level, you want to make sure when you go get somebody, you have a, get somebody with the status. So he wanted yeah. to try to go for that status. But, you know, yeah. the G's and T.I., that's his, I think that's what that's a little bit better, better of a matchup for him because they got mm-hmm. a lot more. You know, T.I. got the big records. Jesus got some big records. But yeah, Jesus got a lot of trap music. And he got a lot of trap. Yeah songs as well so i think it's a very good matchup for you know who do you think will win who do you think gonna win in that battle ti hands down but i think that jeezy i mean he, like he said it's gonna be i feel like that may be a polarizing thing because jeezy just got so much that street you know he just got the but i don't know like he can't compete with ti's hits i feel like am i tripping like what do you think i got i, I got i got jeezy in this one okay okay i think jeezy got a really you know really cult following when it comes to his music and a lot of he can play like at least eight to nine records off that you know because you're only playing 20 records you're not you're not playing the whole catalog so if you look at the catalog yeah ti catalog is much bigger a lot more variety in it but when you look back on it we play way more probably jeezy songs than we play of ti songs you know what i mean like you know you play the urban legend and you got you got um trap music but you got that thug motivation like you can play eight or nine songs off that thug motivation and get you around you know what i mean it's all about and then it, you know it's all about placement in the in the, in the versus battle too because you got to have a, a thought process okay if he plays this record then i got to be able to play this record Right. You know, or I can, or I can turn the tables by playing this record and leading off and having him kind of play into my hands. It's all about placement and all about you know just being ready to be ready to go with your twenty records. So I just, I got G's in, I got G's in. I got Ti. I see your point, and I feel like it may be divisive. Maybe it's not going to be as, but I, yeah, I got Ti. Ah, man, but yeah, verses is always. Is there, has there been any verses that have surprised you? Man, uh, not really, because I thought you know one of the ones I thought that was kind of a, a mismatch was. Um, Rick Ross? 
No, I thought, yeah, Rick Ross and Two Chain, yeah, because that's a totally different catalog. Ross got <laughs> way too, way too for Chains, you know, he way too. Because Chains really, Chains really, really had he should have went against Big Sean. I think. Uh, yeah, yeah. Because they, they both got that, like, you know, like, uh, sarcastic, you know, making punchline, like, that type of punchline swag. Like, T I don't know. But I just thought, like, Ross catalog is way too heavy. Oh, yeah. That, that one actually surprised me, like, for me. Yeah. Like, I just, I was like, because I'm a big 2 Chains fan. And I was like, oh, like, this is going to be fun. And then, like, just seeing it actually come out, I was like, bro, like, what? Like, Ross destroys you. Like, it's not even like, you know, like, Ross just had, like, 20, 30 more records to go. Man. Like, like and I love 2 Chains, but it's like, bro, like, no, <laughs> like, you know, for that, and then you know, they had the Manny Fresh and uh, what's similar? All right, no, he Scott Storch. Yeah, I, okay, yeah. that was a mismatch. For, I thought that was a mismatch for um, not Scott, uh, Manny Fresh. I thought that was a mismatch for Manny Fresh because mm -hmm. Manny Fresh got more of a like I said, cult classics, and mm -hmm. he got more of a following in the south where you know, you have uh, Scott Storch is more of a yeah. broad, his, yeah. his, his catalog is more got more range, range and, and, and yeah. I thought that was, yeah, I thought just thought that was a mismatch for him, but you know, the Erica Badu and the um. And Jill, Jill Scott was just like, it touched my soul listening to that one, you know what I mean? So they've been doing a great job, and, you know, just using the, uh, using the platform that they have and, you know, working out the kinks and things like that. Like, even when the Luda and the, uh, and the Nelly one happened, you know, I was like, I was like, wow, this is actually pretty good. But, you know, we are, I kind of figured Luda would win. I figured Luda would win that one just because of just the way Luda <laughs> catalog, like people kind of sleep on Luda catalog. Like yeah. I wasn't the biggest Luda fan. I'm not gonna lie, I wasn't the biggest Luda fan. I like Luda on hooks and features and things like that, but not necessarily full albums. But when you listen to him in that, in that battle, he just was ready because he was a DJ at one point. So he was ready to go. So like I say, it's all about placement of the records and being ready right. to play the record right. somebody play, and, and, and baiting people into playing certain records and things like that. So. I got I got Jesus. I got the underdog. I, I think got Ti man. I, I I would love to see verses with other things like film directors and stuff. Like yeah, I think they can they can actually go into a, a broad range of this man. Like this is just the beginning of. I think you know me personally. What I thought they should have did. You know, I thought you should have um, pre-recorded the verses and put it on a platform like Netflix where we can uh, we can just consume it all together where you have in different locations. You have the nice staging, nice lighting because they probably didn't know what it was going to be. I know, man, because after a while, it was just getting, it was just bad. The, the quality was just, yeah. you know, it depending had, on who it was. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Because you're relying on them to have the nice internet service. Right. And it just wasn't right. And it was making, putting poor quality out there. Because, yeah. You know, if they would just have it all pre staged, they yeah. have, you know, I think that would have both people there. That'd be great. Yeah. Like, yeah. You know what I'm saying? I just think that's the next, I think that's the next step to it. I know they're doing yeah. it on Apple TV and things like that. And they're kind of starting to kind of do it in the same rooms like that. But they have like a full production behind it, bro. Uh, have a, like a or have people there. I think this is like the next level. So you can almost put, and then you can then you could come back again after all the verses is over and have a concert. You know, saying or, or just a versus concert, and you can make you can just double up on the concert. So there's so much more room that they can do with this, especially when the pandemic is kind of like uh, lifted a little bit more. Wait, right, question, question, man. Do you think if Fifty would have won against Ti, that Fifty would have won easily? Like he would have destroyed him. Cause I feel like in the club, the in the club, the in the club was just. Yeah, I know, but like I just feel like I feel like. Yeah, I got the T. I got the trap records, but I think um, I think uh, Fifty got more of the, the big. I got more songs though. I feel like. Ah like, oh, no no Fifty 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 catalog is deep too, bro. Fifty catalog is deep. Fifty catalog is deep. I, I, like I said, I think Ti would have gave him a run for his money, but you know there's a lot of songs that Fifty. You probably forgot that Fifty had because he came out with like early two thousands. That in the club, he can play that in the, he can play at least 10, 10 records out there in the club. Get Richard Die Trying, yeah, 
Yeah, he can play that, you know, he play that 10 records out there. And, you know, you got to, and, and that's going to kind of really push T.I. to kind of go, go into his bag because, yeah. you know, because T.I. got that, he got those trap songs that we right. love down south. But right. when you kind of bubble up out of the south, those songs don't quite resonate as much as like when 50 songs do. Like his, his songs resonate throughout the country. Yeah, that's no, true. Yeah, so I, that's why I think 50 would probably would have won. Probably, he probably would have won that battle. It would have been close, but I think 50 probably would have took it just because I think some of 50 records are a little bit more broader than, you know what I'm saying, uh, than, than, than T.I. records were. Because mm-hmm. you got true. that T.I. got like Bring Him Out, you yeah. know what I'm saying? Songs like that, you know, that, that song. But then 50 got, you know, Candy, Candy Shop and, you know, he got all these yeah. these huge, humongous records that were really, and then that album with, with Diamond, somebody. Yeah, no, I feel it. I just, yeah, a lot of those songs though, like, I mean, I, if he put, if he put like, like me from the South, I love the trap music. Like yeah. that's gonna like I think that 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 that'll actually get him get him there. But I think right. just the broader view. The yeah, rec- no, I feel it. Yeah, the, I feel it. The it's like mainstream. Bigger. Yeah, no, I yeah. hear you. I hear you. It's always yeah, gonna be man. Day. So man, you know, I know we've been we've been chopping up for a while. I want to do just hit this lightning round with you, man. Yeah, and actually, some good. I hear the quarters and see how you feel with this. All right, you know, you ready? Yeah. Texting or talking? Uh, texting. Uh, favorite day of the week. Yeah. Mondays, Mondays, looking yeah. nice. Why Mondays? Um, I feel like that's like the first day of the week for you to get anything you wanted to do, like from your Sunday night to do list. Like this is the first time to go at like your Monday is going to dictate your week. That's how I feel like if you can see you wake up early, you do everything. Like if you wake up late on Monday, you come like it just messes up the week. Like you got to get that momentum going. Nice, nice. What's your favorite childhood TV show? Fresh Prince. Last emoji you use. The prayer hands, which I just found out is also like hands clapping, which was yes, which is crazy to me. <laughs> uh, fill in the blank. Kanye West is on the list to be president. <laughs> it's crazy. Uh, favorite junk food. Ah, oh, good question. Uh, oh, good question. Um, Whoppers, but I'm vegan, so I haven't had any in like four years. But Whoppers were like my favorite candy. Uh, a uh, place you want to travel to, the most place, uh, the favorite place you want to travel to? Egypt. Egypt. Um, if you had to be in a car ride for six hours, what two albums would you want to listen to? Oh man, great question. Oh, that's a great question. Um, that's a great question. Lauren Hill, uh, Miseducation of Lauren Hill. And um, ah, that's a great question. Uh, ah, um, Casey Veggie's life changes. I know that's a crazy answer, but that's probably what, what, what I would choose. Uh, if you if you could live forever, would you? <sighs> Good question. Um, uh, I don't know. I don't know. It's a <laughs> tough one. That's a tough one. I feel like I'm copping out. If I can live forever, would I live forever? <sighs> Um, I honestly don't know. That's a good question. Uh, uh, favorite number? A two. Favorite ice cream? Uh, like cookies and cream. All right. On a scale of one to 10, how good are you keeping secrets? Uh, 10. 10. Uh, what's your celebrity crush? Um, Paula Patton. <laughs> That's a good one. All right. Last one. What's your favorite season? 
Um, good question. Uh, summer. Summer. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I appreciate you um, logging in and jump, jumping on the chat with me and chatting with me at the Dove Vision Experience podcast. We're going to have to definitely do it again. Is there any uh, anything you want to plug or your social media handles? Please let, let the people know. Yeah, man. Um, I just want to say, yeah, positive energy and good vibes, man. Something I always represent. I always say that's like my tagline. And I really believe that, man. In every situation you're in, you can always react positively. So whoever's listening to us, whoever's tapping in and, and peeping this podcast, man, just like whatever you're going through in life, man, just react positively to it. Um, my name is Biamechi. You can find me on Instagram at B underscore A-M-E-C-H-I. It's Amechi, not Amichi. Um, so yeah, just tap in with me and, uh, yeah, I appreciate you having me on. Like, this has been an awesome experience. Like I said, like, aside from like the interview and everything like that, it's always flattering to be interviewed, but just like connecting and being able to, you know, reconnect with you, man. It's been a lot to me, man. So I appreciate it. Yeah, man. Like, like I said, man, it's always good to talk to the people, get some inspiration from some of your people that you kick it with and you vibe with. You just can't get a chance to see them because of the pandemic. Um, Like I always say on the podcast, it's always collaboration over competition. You Mm want to be able to collaborate with people. It's not competition out here. The only only person you compete with is yourself. Absolutely. Keep your health up. You know, put your mask on, do whatever you have to do to stay safe. Drink your CMOS and take your all that. Take your vitamins, drink your water and stay healthy. Work out your mind right keep your mentals right you know keep stay safe and stay 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 hydrated this your boy frank nitty i'm out cheers i really hope you guys enjoyed this episode if you'd like to grab some merch canvas prints for your home or office or see the full link video from this episode please visit dovision.com follow me on instagram facebook and twitter at dovision itself also send me an email of someone you'd like to hear on the podcast at dovision itself at gmail.com also, please join the Dovision Club at patreon.com forward slash Dovision for early access to the content and some of the behind the scenes look of some of the episodes that I create. While you're listening, don't forget to hit, hit the subscribe button and comment on the podcast as well as my YouTube channel and turn on those post notifications so that you'll be notified each and every time I drop a new episode. Thanks for listening. And remember, collaboration over competition. Until next time, this is your boy Frank Nitty and I'm out.